recording with three of us, fortunately, in the studio today. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 311 of Hand of Pod. I say fortunately with three of us because the cat tried to escape when Andres came in. Uh, she got down a couple of floors, but we tracked her back up against her wall. And you can hear her contributions already as she's banging against our legs and trying to scratch us. <laughs> Latrice says hello, listeners. Uh, also here with me, I'm Sam Kelly, uh, and I'm joined by Andres. Hello, Sam. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. I, I assume, yes, three of us, and I assume Latrice, Latrice is the cat's name, uh, yes. is a fan of rivers uh, too, so we are three and three fans of of river. Indeed. Uh, Latrice doesn't seem that bothered about football, actually. She's sort of... Well, she's excited. excited. I, I, I don't know what... She, I, um... She watches it sometimes with me, but she watches sort of the late night highlights uh, rather than yeah. full matches. Seems to be excited to know whether the the match of the river is going to play against Platense for Copa Argentina in one hour and a half. But she's excited. Yes, she is very sure. excited. She's also excited because there's company here. She's just been sitting on the sofa sleeping next to me for most of the afternoon. Please dig your claws out my thigh. Thank you. Um, we have some matches to give you the results of. I'm a little bit confused about exactly which matches uh, we need to give you the results of because you might remember that when we last recorded we were gearing up for a few round of 32 and a few round of 16 um, Copa Argentina matches and some of them have been played and some of them haven't but they were from both rounds. So, Copa Argentina, Latrice, am I going to have to show you in the bedroom? We're going to take a brief pause while I shut Latrice in the bedroom. There we are. Sorry, back from that brief pause. Um, as I was trying to say while Latrice was distracting us, we have had a few matches played since we last recorded, and it's difficult to, man- to manage exactly which ones they are, because at least on my app, the date that the game was played doesn't show up. Um, so since the round of 32 is done... I'm just going to read out all of the results in the round of 32, which has been played over the last couple of months. So some of these I'm going to be repeating from previous episodes. And if I mention a match that has been played since we last recorded, or that Andres thinks has been played since we last recorded, shout, tell okay. me. Okay. So first of all, Estudiantes versus Luján finished nil-nil, and Estudiantes won on penalties. I think that one might have been recorded, uh, have been played since we recorded last. San Lorenzo beat Colón. 3-1 on penalties after a 2-2 draw, which means Estudiantes will play San Lorenzo in the round of 16. Argentinos Juniors put Defensa Justicia out on penalties after a 0-0 draw. And Tempele thrashed Deportivo Maipú for nil, So they will play one another, Argentinos and Tempele. Um, Newell's Old Boys beat Defensores Unidos uh, 3-0. Yes, but Tempele has already beat, beaten... Ah, there we go. So that, that, that's one of the games that has been played. 
Uh, Templeton beat Argentinos, so we'll get to that in a second. Newell's Old Boys beat Defensores Unidos 3-0, and Atletico Tucumán beat Huracán 2-0. They will play one another, or have played one another, possibly. Rosario Central and Tacheres uh, went to penalties after a 0-0 draw. Central won that one. And Almagro put Cipolletti out 2-0. River, obviously, beat Villa Dalmine 3-1. And Platense beat General La Madrid 1-0. Uh, that one is very easy tied to tell you when it's being played because it is being played in an hour and ten minutes time so you'll have to listen all the way to the end of the theme music at the end of this podcast in order to find out the result of that one uh, Sarmiento de Resistencia beat Union 2-1 that one was played on Friday wasn't it or Saturday it's certainly been played since we recorded because that was a another yet another shock in this year's Copa Argentina Lanús lost 2-1 to Atletico de Rafaela that was a couple of weeks ago if I remember rightly Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero beat Tigre 2-0 in another shock and the biggest shock of all since we last recorded Independiente have gone out they lost they drew 1-1 um, with Brown de Adrogué and then went out on penalties and the Brown de Adrogué manager has become something of a cult figure in the last few days, because he's got a big bushy moustache. Yes, he's, of course, uh, not rightly called the Alex Ferguson of uh, the Ascenso, perhaps, because he's uh, uh, there for 14 years, I think, mm. has, has been there for 14 years, and he even, and this is the why he doesn't, he isn't like Alex Ferguson, is that he lives in inside the club. Oh, well. He sleeps there, and he worked as a Gardener, but uh, he cleaning cleaning stuff and, and and well now he's living there. So so he actually he lives in the stadium or in the yes it's like the, there facilities. is like a, a home for the young players I think it is usually called pension which is a, a home little home where uh, for example in teams like uh, the big teams uh, where the youngsters uh, live mm-hmm. uh, they it's like they live there uh, they, they come from their homes and live there uh, and also train and, and, and go to school well similar to that but not going to school he lives in the, inside the, the, the club of Brown. Uh, well, uh, Pablo Bico is yes. his name by the way we've, we've mentioned him as a cult figure so it's only fair that we uh, name him as well um, well done him they will play Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, which means that we're going to have at least one team from the lower divisions in the quarterfinals um, because they play each other. And Oh, and also, of course, uh, Sarmiento de Resistencia and Atlético de Rafaela play one another. Um, the quarterfinals consist of, I think I'm right in saying, sorry, the, the round of 16 consists of eight Superliga teams and eight teams from the lower divisions. Uh, there is one uh, pair of ties in the last 32 that I haven't yet mentioned. Boca Juniors beat San Martín de Tucumán 2-0. That was at the start of last week, was it? It's been played. That was played before we last recorded, I think. Yes. Um, and Gimnasia uh, beat Olimpo 2... Uh, sorry, 1-0. So Gimnasia will play Boca. The round of 16 matches that have been played already... Um, have all have both been played since we last recorded. I think they have to have been because none have been played when we recorded last. Uh, as Andres already mentioned, Tempele beat Argentinos Juniors 2-0. And Newell's Old Boys against Atletico Tucumán was another penalty shootout. It ended 0-0 and Newell's won on penalties 5-3. Yes. I did not catch any Copa Argentina action at all over the weekend. Me because a, a very rare Superliga free weekend means... Um, that I don't tend to watch that much. I take advantage of the fact I can go out with my girlfriend and live yes. life a bit. Um, but it's been yet 
another um, few days of, of shocks. Independiente going out to Brown. Uh, what was the other one I mentioned? Uh, that one happening as well. Um, Union losing against uh, Sarmiento. Yes, Union losing to Sarmiento de Resistencia. Scoring th those uh, both goals uh, uh, near the end of the match. Yeah, and uh, oh, Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero was last Saturday, apparently. Um, not this Saturday, just gone. So, um, sorry, uh, Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero versus Tigre, but that was another shock, of course. Um, and th there's something really uh, strange, well, not strange, I think it has to do with the bad organization of Copa Argentina. I understand this because we, we don't have any dates. Uh, available perhaps to, to for these matches to be played, but they are being played uh, uh, during the FIFA dates or uh, yeah FIFA matches, which means that for example, Independiente played with uh, several players with they, 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 there were several players missing from national teams, so River will suffer that tonight uh, with well Palacios, Piti Martinez, and Armani being part of the national team that played against Guatemala and, and Colombia. And Fernando Quintero, of course, um, River's best player, being um, part of uh, the Colombia team, so he's not back yet either. Um, it's obviously not an issue that affects Argentine clubs to anywhere near the same extent um, that it affects clubs in, in the big European leagues, where the competition would be rendered a complete farce. Uh, the Copa Argentina is already vaguely farcical, so that's not such an issue. Um, but it is, you know, it, it helps to, I suppose it helps to level the playing field in a, in a way, but it, it does also um, skew the competition a little bit to, to have, I mean, obviously, particularly it affects River, Boca, uh, Independiente, as you say. Um, not so much most of the other clubs, but yeah, it, it's it's a bit daft. And, and it's a little bit difficult. As I said last week, it's a bit... It, it strikes me as slightly hard to understand when you have a league season of 26 matches which they're having to come up with a silly extra cup to uh, you know latch on the end of the league season and make it long enough for the television to be able to continue to get subscribers for another couple of months when an alternative might be hold the Copa Argentina over one weekend you know, similarly to the FA yes, Cup or the match, the, the Super League ends, and then you play the, the Copa Argentina. Yeah. Um, or or just have each, you know, month have two or three rounds of Super Liga football, and then one weekend dedicated to Copa Argentina. But clearly, Super Liga goes not the same way than television, or or well, Fox and TNT, the the the, the, the channels that broadcast the Super Liga because they want football. Very, almost all the during all the year, and um, f in the other hand, you have a, a Superliga that pretends uh, uh, f for it to have less teams, which means less matches. Mm. So there will be a gap there, and and could be easily. I think it's a good idea, and I haven't thought about that to fill it with yes, the Copa, Copa Argentina. Why not? Although it is obviously very awkward to do when they're organised by different people when, when the Superliga yes, is, is one organisation or organising committee on its own and then the Copa Argentina is I think that the AFA have taken control of the Copa Argentina now uh, from the um, travel company whose name I'm not going to mention because of, well because they're not sponsoring us so why should I um, but you have the same companies it, same but, companies uh, broadcasting the, those uh, both tournaments because Tays Sports is the one uh, in which you can watch Copa Argentina, which is torneos, and Fox 
and TNT, well, Fox's Torneos, also, mm. the, the company. Yeah, the production company, yes. Um, it, it would obviously be, uh, it probably wouldn't, actually, I don't know, how, how many people do you think would be really up in arms if they moved the Copa Argentina into the Paquete football as well? It would be a difficult well, deal to pull off, but... Well, I don't think it's really crucial. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that many people care, and the ones who do have probably already got the packet de football. So, maybe you could do it. I don't know. Yes. Possibly. Um, anyway, the round of the octavos, the eighth of final, which is the round of 16, um, is, as I say already, Tempele through having beaten Argentinos Juniors. They will play either Estudiantes or San Lorenzo. That match has not been... Um, programmed to, uh, given a kickoff day and time yet um, Newells who put Atletico Tucumán out on penalties will play either Rosario Central or Almagro River or Platense as I say they play in about an hour's time will play Sarmiento de Resistencia or Atletico de Rafaela um, so that's the one of the two guaranteed um, lower division fi- uh, quarter finalists there uh, in that side and then the other ones are Central, Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, or Independientes, Conquerors, Brown de Androgué, will play either Gimnasia La Plata or Boca Juniors. It's um, it's a pretty interesting lineup, I think. Yes. Considering the number of shocks we've had, um, the, the, the lower division teams who are there all deserve to be there. Uh, the higher division teams who are there all deserve to be there, because they've done professional jobs and haven't slipped up in the way that Independiente and Racing uh, both have. Estudiantes San Lorenzo, I think, is, is clearly the sort of standout tie of the ones that still have to be played, or indeed of, of all of them, um, in this current round. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be. I don't know whether there's been uh, any rumour about that. Uh, well, there, there are no, none of them playing Copa Libertadores, so they have their only their schedule of, of Superliga, Right mm-hmm. now, because, well, of course, Estudiantes and San Lorenzo both have uh, have been out of, of Copa Libertadores, so uh, <clears throat> it's clear, it's perhaps easier for uh, to program a, a match in this condition than when they are both playing. Indeed. Copa. There are, of course, two other matches that have taken place since we last recorded, and they did not involve clubs, they involved the national team as Andres hinted at a few minutes ago. Um, Argentina travelled to Los Angeles, where they beat Guatemala 3-0 in a highly prestigious post-World Cup friendly. Um, And then they travelled to New Jersey, where in a slightly more actually prestigious friendly, um, they beat Colombia by the score of 0-0, because they didn't win. They played all right. Um... There were lots of new players used. There were lots of young players used. There were a couple of systems, would you say? Or maybe just the one system, really? Um, let me get the the uh, formations up here, because I've forgotten already. It was a 4-2-3-1 in the first game, and then more of a 4-3-3 in the second, wasn't it, really? Or 4-3-1-2, yes. Yeah. But... Um, what did you make of it, Andres? Well, I, I liked it in the way that they still need a lot to do, a lot of work, a lot of uh, matches to play. But uh, the idea, I like the idea at least of uh, putting in, well, at least two matches, uh, uh, brand new players or players that are 
basically the future of national team uh, with uh, at least you could see enthusiasm there a lot of uh, young blood and and well uh, some interesting appearances like for example Ezequiel Palacios mm -hmm. who played uh, the first match and part of the second one uh, and showed some like bowels of, of, of his uh, ability and of course uh, versatility because he has been it has been said and it's, it's true that he's a like a mixed uh, midfielder or, or not box to box but uh, more, uh, almost box box to box so uh, that for example was a good a good show of what we, what what we can expect for the future um, also well Piti Martinez Pavon has already been playing for national team and so was no surprise um, same for Lo Celso a, a, a great surprise for Rodrigo Battaglia played only last night but uh, against Colombia but it, I think it was decent and some of them or I mean, I mean uh, they took that matches those matches as important matches even when the first one was against Guatemala to show that they could uh, put on their the, the Argentina national team t-shirt and uh, in general generally speaking I think it was was good it was positive you are talking about two matches the first two matches with Scaloni who is an intern uh, coach we assume uh, so you can't uh, analyze or uh, the results or you can if you uh, speak about or you talk about Armani as he is, has a clean sheet also in national team yes, two matches and not conceding any goals um Well, he didn't play in the first one. Sorry, yes. Um, well, it was only 90 minutes, yes. But, uh, yeah, um, he's, he's managed that after the rather traumatic experience of the World Cup. Uh, he has managed to keep a clean sheet for Argentina. For yes. Yeah, he didn't keep a clean sheet, in the, which was the third match against Nigeria, and that was 2-1, wasn't it? Yes, yes no, that, that, there was no clean sheet. Um, no so he's managed his first clean sheet for Argentina. Not only that, but in his third appearance for Argentina, he ended the match wearing the captain's armband. Yes. Which must be some kind of a record, at least in the modern era. I did tweet a uh, man in uh, Guinness World Records, Paraguay Ralph, on Twitter um, to ask whether it was a record. And he pointed out that there are England obviously had a load of uh, one-cap captains back in the 1800s, the 19th century. Um, and of course, anybody who captained the team in their country's first ever or second ever international would have managed it. Um, but in more recent terms... Uh, in more recent times, um, it's quite probable that Franco Armani has got some kind of maybe 21st century record, at least. Captaining your country in the third match um, is not a bad uh, start to international life. Um, I was... I mean, the, the positives that, that I think Argentina can take from it, and this really wasn't much of a positive against Guatemala, because that was exactly as challenging a match as, as we all expected it to be. Um, but against Colombia at least, was that the defence looked like a completely different team um, to the one that we saw in Russia. And obviously, at least part of that is because it was a completely different team. Uh, Nicolas Tagliafico aside, uh, Fabricio Bustos at right back, Herman Petzela and Ramiro Funes Mori um, at centre-back. Are they the, the people who were missing in Russia? I mean, none of us really thought Funes Mori was going to make that much of a difference, but yes, well, I, I didn't see Funes Mori that solid, or at least uh, uh, perhaps uh, he needs in his more time uh, with national team to to get that uh, 
like uh, that feature that we saw, for example, at River, that uh, that he was like rock, uh, strong and hard. But anyway, yes, uh, I think that overall uh, there were there were some some aspects. The defense was, was solid, and also Shio Simeone scoring well. Of course, Guatemala, but a goal for a for a goal scorer is important, and for a youngster like him, also, it's I think it's more important, yeah. independently of the of the of the rival. Um, he he could be a, an alternative when, well, if if Scaloni or whoever is in the, in the bench continues with this policy of not not uh, calling up the the historic players like well Iguain and Aguero, and and try to fix or try to 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 um, build a team with even Icardi or him. Yeah. Uh, it, it also means that uh, Simeone now has 9% of his dad's total of international goals in less than 1% of his dad's total of games. He's yes. played one game and scored one goal for Argentina and his dad scored 11 goals in 109 matches. So yes. there we go. Giovanni Simeone is undeniably better as a footballer than Diego Simeone was, maybe. <laughs> If we only count whom, goals. Whom uh, Simeone's father, uh, Diego Simeone, uh, well, he was interviewed the other day and well, he talked about the, that audio sent to Burgos about the well, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, and who was better. And oh, which we said at the time was fake and it turned out not to have been no, fake. It was, it was a different fake. one that, that somebody else was saying... Um, uh, yeah, I, I did this, but he was talking about a different thing, and, and it, yes. it got a bit confused. Uh, it, the Simeone thing actually was real, but carry on, Andres. Yes. Sorry. No, but I think that apart from that, the juicy thing or the most important thing is that he said that he would be very uncomfortable if he had to be the coach in a team that Giovanni Simeone is playing mm. as his his father, of course. And to think him, to think about him as a train, as a coach, and not as a father, will be. Really difficult. Well, uh, I think Marcelo Gallardo is suffering that right now, as he uh, included, for example, Nahuel Gallardo, his son, the other day against Tacheres in a friendly. It's, it was a friendly, of course, but he didn't play well. And a lot of people, I think that this is, when I say people, I say supporters, and, and when I say supporters, I say Twitter supporters, <laughs> uh, were, of course, criticizing him and saying that he can't play there uh, or for River or. or or that Casco is better, better than him, uh, but it's even even so, it's difficult. I think it's difficult, and even for Gallardo, who's one of the best in uh, in in terms of of groups managing. Um, and Simone said this that well, it will be very difficult for him to to be the coach of of Giovanni, his son. Yes, indeed. Um, one striker who has a less impressive international record for Argentina um, than Giovanni Simeone is Mauro Icardi who played his, I think, third match as well, right? Just like Franco Aramani. Um, no, I think it was... He played a couple of qualifiers last year. And then no no more matches? Maybe one. Maybe one of the friendlies he might have done. So his, yes. his let's third say, or fourth. third or fourth, or possibly a push fifth. Um, and he hasn't scored still. And I, I, I saw some improvements from him. His mobility was better. I, I said last year when he made his two appearances in the qualifiers, I can't remember which games they were in, um, that after waiting for such a long time to play and after apparently being so desperate to represent his country, I was expecting a little bit more mobility and a little bit more effort, basically, from him. Um, He didn't seem, against Colombia, to be 
falling into that trap of sort of waiting for the ball to come to him quite as much. Um, he, he was getting a little bit more involved in the play. He was noticeably more mobile, I thought, than uh, than he was uh, last year. Um, but it wasn't falling to him. And, and this is the problem that made me sort of sit back. I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and from the commentators during the match saying... You know, oh, I love this midfield. This Argentina midfield looks so much more balanced. It looks so much better than the one in the World Cup. And I was thinking, I mean, it doesn't. It looks more solid, but there is still a distinct lack of creativity there. Um, and so I thought, Icardi is still without a goal for Argentina, and that it was difficult on this occasion, as I say, to really blame Icardi for that. I thought that it underlined that they're still lacking that player who can be a playmaker. And when Paolo Dybala came on. Um, for was it for Palacios did he replace Palacios he replaced let me remind myself yeah Exequio Palacios with 35 minutes to go still um, I thought he was disappointing again every time that Paolo Dybala plays for Argentina I think he's just it's it's underlining the argument for why he shouldn't be playing for Argentina and then people you know in between when he's playing for Juventus everybody goes oh how is this guy not getting caps for Argentina and then he actually gets one you think well that's why he's some somehow cursed cursed because he was had to go uh, some days later to the to the training Mm. sessions in 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 United States because he had some personal problems and that's why he lost the the most important training sessions and that's why he didn't he couldn't be in the match against Guatemala, so there is everyone, everything he's or every time he's being he's called up. There is some different problems, could be bigger or or, or smaller, but that end up with him not being part of. Uh, I I mean matches, training sessions, whatever, uh, and that's very difficult for him to be part of uh, of a team that goes goes ahead. And even when Scaloni and in the end of the match. Uh, said that there was any problem with him, and it could be true. And, and there has, has there is no reason why uh, they must have any problems. But uh, it's him with this. He starts with problems, and then he plays ten minutes, and you can't, of course, show a lot of things in ten minutes. Um, then I th- about the card, I think that there is a difference. There is uh, something that is crucial, which is. The different ways of playing between Inter and the national team, because I think that in the, in Italian football in the Serie A, uh, for the culture uh, for Inter, they basically play with defenses that are well. I don't. I wouldn't say that they are worse than the South American, for example. Quali- if he has to play qualifiers, uh, but they, they are. I think suffer, mm-hmm. and and the way they play for Inter, I think that it's basically counter attack with open defenses. And when he plays, and it was last last night, was it was like that? Even in Friendly, Friendly against Colombia, he will find no spaces, and he will have to fight a lot with defenders uh, to find spaces and, and and of course shoot. So uh, I think that will be something that he will have to work to get. Uh, uh, he, uh, I think that last night he had some. The only opportunity or clear opportunity he had was he was offside. Uh, yeah, a pass from Taylor Fico that was good pass, but he was offside and couldn't uh, even well couldn't finish in goal anyway. Uh, but uh, I think that he will have to work a lot for national team to uh, ad- adapt himself to these uh, particular ways of playing in national in South America. I think. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. Obviously, Argentina are playing against teams who come at them less because they're less familiar with the game. They have less time to play together as the, the old problems with um, international football and, and management that I've gone over many times before. Um, and therefore, playing a counter-attacking game is much easier than it is in a league where you're training every day together. And so, yeah, that, 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 that's a good point. Um, as I say, I... I I thought he looked a lot better than he did last year. I'm not trying yes. to criticise Icardi too much, but uh, the, the fact that he is still without a goal is, is indicative of that lack of creativity in the midfield. Um, I'm not sure how I would put my own Argentina midfield together if I were manager, but I'm wondering, do we think any of the... I mean, Giovanni Lo Celso was already there. So do we think any of the other midfielders who featured on this mini-tour, Rodrigo Batalha, um, Ezequiel Palacios against Colombia, and uh, let me remind myself quickly of the uh, Leandro Paredes, um, who was already in and around the squad, yes. at least, against Guatemala. Do we think any of them have really forced their way into the thinking for the, for the national team You know, on a longer term? I mean, Palacios appears to be the revelation of this uh, I, last I, week, really, for Argentina, I think. I, I am well. I, I look forward for uh, to watch another match in which uh, could be Bataglia and Palacios or Paredes. I call Paredes and Palacios. I think that uh, they ca- they can play one or, or, or the other one, not to, not not together, because even when Palacios he has shorter pass than I think Paredes has a good quality with long passes and Paredes more short passes, but they are creative both and. And and I will put well Ascasibar wasn't there, but uh, Ascasibar or or no he played against Guatemala. Uh, Ascasibar came off the bench oh. for Leandro Paredes at half time. So yes. yeah, he played the second half. Well, even Ascasibar or or uh, Bataglia and Paredes or or Palacios could be the double midfielder, mm. central midfielders. Um, well, Paredes we have already watched Paredes some some. Sometimes and he has the quality. He needs more consistency, perhaps. But uh, I, as I say, I, I, I think that for the next uh, match that should be against Brazil. Uh, the next confirmed match is against Brazil oh. in Saudi Arabia, I think, is it? November. Um, no- November, right? Yes, in November. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that they have yet confirmed opponents for the other uh, slot during that FIFA double header. Um, but the Brazil match is confirmed already. In fact, let me just quickly try and Google it so that I can tell you when it is. Uh, Argentina v Brazil. Argentina Brazil. Hopefully that'll get it. Is yep on the sixteen ten. I don't know why Google continues to show me dates in American for some reason, even though I've told it a million times not to. In King Abdullah Sports City um, at two forty five p.m. I assume that that should be Argentine time. I haven't got a VPN on my phone. Um, so that is at that time in October. Yep, clocks won't have gone back yet in Europe. So that's going to be 6.45pm if you're in the UK and 1.45pm uh, if you are in the eastern seaboard of the, on the eastern seaboard of the United States. I'm going to be in Spain when that gets played. No, I'm not. I'm, yes, I am. I'm, I'm going to be in... Oh no, I'll be in England. I'll have flown from Spain to England uh, when that game gets played. So I don't know whether on the day. Uh, so I don't know whether or not I'll be able to watch it, 
or indeed whether we'll be able to have a hand of pod about it. Actually, we should be able to. We should be able to sort out a, a quick recording via Skype or something uh, while I'm away. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the next confirmed one. And Argentina's other friendly for that FIFA date has not yet been confirmed. Okay. So. Well, anyway, there's no more Mascherano or Biglia. So uh, the players, I think that will be these, these ones. Perhaps some other players that will change. But uh, the midfield, I think that we'll have to stick with Bataglia, Skazibar, uh, Paredes and Palacios in the midfield, I mean the center midfield. So, and I, I, I like the idea to, to solidify, make more solid with these that are, I think that they are the, 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 the well, available players right now and, and, and perhaps even in the future. Yes, um, indeed. I mean, in the, the conversation is going to have to be around these few players who've been called up this time. I, I think that by and large, Scaloni um, made a pretty sensible selection. It's forward-looking. The midfield looked more dynamic. As I said, it, it lacks that little spark of creativity, but it is difficult to work out who's going to bring that, who, who isn't already in the squad. Um, and so that's that's something that they're going to have to work on as a team in, in creating more chances, I think, for, for players like Icardi. Um you know, and, and against opponents like Colombia as well, it has to be said against Guatemala, it was it was comfortable. Again, it wasn't you know an embarrassing performance or anything. Um, and I wonder whether Lochelso could be asked to do that. He, he's been playing further back since he signed for PSG, but when he was at Central, he was very much that creative number ten. I don't know whether he's got quite the the level to do it internationally. Um, but maybe if he were pushed a little bit further forward rather than playing as a sort of double five. Yes, well, I, I I I forgot about him because I didn't think about him as a number five, um, more or perhaps a number, a, a more offensive number five like I know Vanega, or even could be sim- uh, similar to Gago in the I mean the positions, not as a stick number five, like for example, well, uh, Palacios or, or Paredes or well, Ascasibar. Um, so yes, I, I I I don't know why, but I see difficult for him to be situated in a place in the midfield. Like like he has no fixed position, and and sometimes it's difficult uh, because, for example, Sampaoli uh, looked for him as a as a well different lines of midfielders as a, an offensive midfielder, but behind him there were another line of midfields midfielders like three. Midfielders and mm. uh, so yes, as, as, of course, enganches. There is as an enganche. Uh, I think he's uh, the position that suits him better. Better, but there is no enganches right now, even in national team. So uh, for me, it's very difficult to to say yes, yes, he could be there, he could be here uh, in a position that I could say yes, he's for 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 this position. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of underlined against Colombia as well by the fact that this wouldn't be an episode of Hand of Pod if we didn't, again, wax lyrical about Juan Fernando Quintero um, for a little bit. Um, the fact that he, he was, again, I, I thought, the best, certainly the best attacking player on the pitch for either team. Um, and it just sort of struck me, it's exactly what Argentina are missing. I, I said this during the World Cup as well, he's exactly what England are missing. Um, and he's exactly what Argentina are missing as well, both for you know slightly different reasons that Argentina are missing him from the reasons that England um, are, are, are missing him. Even in either case, if either Argentina yes. or England were allowed to 
um, naturalise Juan Fernando Quintero and start calling him up to their national team instead of him playing for Colombia. Um, either one of them would be vastly improved by him. And that's not to say that he is necessarily head and shoulders over everybody else in those teams, ability-wise, but the kind of player that he is um, and the kind of passes that he sees, his vision, yes. is, is on a different level. And it, it, it's like... It, 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 it's getting to the level now where it, it's like watching Riquelme was. Yes. It, it, he sees passes that nobody else in the stadium has seen. Um, no matter if and he particularly plays, yes. that nobody playing for Argentina is seeing. Yes, no matter whether he plays well or, or not, uh, just... The ways, he, the way he plays, uh, if he, the performance could be good or, or or could disappear for 45 minutes, but then he makes these passes and and, and solves a, a a match with a single play. But so that's that's yes, a, a player that doesn't the kind of players that aren't a lot in the in the entire world, and and he's Colombian, unfortunately. Yeah. Indeed. Um, he, he was also the best Argentina-based player yes. uh, on the pitch last night as well. Um, last night? It wasn't. Yeah, it was at night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at nine o'clock. I was trying yes. to remember what, what the kickoff time was. Second-guessing myself, but I was right. Um, Scaloni himself, as well, is the other topic of conversation, but I'm going to leave that until after the break, when we're going to come back and talk about the manager's role um, in these two friendlies for Argentina and for the next couple of months. Some talk, gossip maybe, about who the next manager might be um, and then of course answer a few listeners' questions. Ah, well, and we, um, we have some uh, talking from Aysel Simeone. He didn't talk about national team but we have Martino who did talk about national team. Indeed, yes, and we will uh, discuss all of that after this next brief piece of theme music. So, Lionel Iccaloni um, has a bit of a, a, a difficult balancing act to pull off at the moment as, as manager or caretaker manager of Argentina. Um, and I'm not sure sort of what my thoughts on him are so far. I, I quite liked him um, up until the point last night after the match where Tay were interviewing him. And they asked him, you know, what did he think of the performance? And he said, well, we're, we, we were playing, the, the kids did really well. We were playing one of the best teams in the world, a team who got to the latter stages of the World Cup um, just a couple of months ago. And, uh, and we gave a good account of ourselves. And I thought, I mean, first of all, Colombia got exactly as far in the World Cup as Argentina did. OK, they went out to a more limited team than Argentina did, and, and they went to penalties rather than... Um, getting knocked out in 90 minutes but they got no further than Argentina did and secondly you're the manager of Argentina you shouldn't be you know I'm not saying you have to go out there and be arrogant but you shouldn't be saying oh well they gave a good account of themselves against one of the top 16 nations on the planet like you're the Argentina manager you should be expecting a bit more than that and I don't know whether this is a bit of insecurity that has come about because of the fact that he's a caretaker manager 
um, or whether he's he's trying to obviously you know to an extent it's just that he's trying to big up the players and and to give them some um, confidence. But I, I just thought I wasn't sure how that came across. Yes, it was <coughs> strange uh, words from from Scaloni. Yeah, perhaps he thinks that he knows, or he knows not. He, he thinks that he will will be the uh, the coach of Argentina for a couple of matches, and and no one else, no one will, will remember him so far uh, after that. But uh, yes, it, it's like it's sometimes it's different. It's difficult to to find the balance uh, between yes, like you said, to be arrogant or to be so uh, well. Uh, to uh, to lower himself or, or, or even the team, um, but uh, in the way he he I think he he said it was like we have a new team a brand new team and perhaps Colombia was with uh, 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 played the, 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 the match with almost all the players that had uh, had uh, that participated in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was missing. There was uh, I think. Uh, Shames uh, missing, and I don't know whether who who else in, in who other important player was not there, but uh, with the with the colorful uh, data that the Colombian manager was also uh, was also a caretaker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mateo Uribe is the only player I'm looking at the the starting lineup. He's the only one who springs out at me as not there, but he was at, he was on the bench. Uh, he he just didn't start. Um, but yeah, Arturo Reyes was um, also caretaker for Colombia. Um, I, I think if if I want to look for the positive aspect of, of, of what he said is is that uh, then could be that he knows that that he won't be much longer for as a, as a coach of Argentina. In fact, he's not a coach. Well, I don't know whether he uh, has the the title uh, of, of coach. Uh, he's similar, for example, like to Placente and Neymar, who were great players and have good relationship with the player, with the with the players that actually play in national team, but no uh, experience as really really coaches. Um, so yes, I think it was the, the, the his first. There were his first uh, declarations after a match for Argentina. Uh, perhaps it was lack of experience also. Yeah, but I think one other thing to sort of counter-argue my argument of before. Um, I don't see that bigger, that big. for example, when Bausa said that Argentina played a great match against Chile and didn't pass the midfield. Uh, yeah. Uh, things like that are, are I think, bigger. Yeah, or, and, and that's that's somewhat more deluded as well. And, and one thing that Scaloni did do um, was he, he, he praised his backroom staff in particular because he was asked specifically about a, a pretty solid defensive performance. Um, he said, that's that's not really to do with me. That's on Samuel. And he wasn't talking about me. Oh. He was talking about his defensive coach, a man who some of you might have heard of, called Walter Samuel, um, or Walter Samuel, if you're an English-speaking person who follows European football and remembers him when he was in Italy. The Wall, um, who is Argentina's current... Uh, I suppose, again, we have to say caretaker in inverted commas um, defensive coach under Scaloni and that sort of makes me wonder whether if or when the new manager is named eventually um, whether the current technical team, the interim technical team who are in charge at the moment, including Scaloni himself 
could be maybe up for sort of coaching positions within the national team setup if they continue to do well. Um, if you know, particularly if, if there's another similarly assured defensive performance against Brazil, if they could maybe even create a little bit more and, and score a goal or two at the other end, uh, which isn't you know entirely outside the realms of imagination, um, maybe there might be a position for Scaloni, for Samuel, um, for Aymar, for you know the others who are in and around the the setup at the moment um, to to be taken on by the new full time manager, whoever he or she might be. Well, it's going to be a he, isn't it? But yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, and last week there was uh, another interview in which Tapia, Chiqui Tapia, said that he, they haven't talked to any coach, even when the the, the candidates are the ones who, that have been already mentioned, like like Simeone, Pochettino, Martino, the ones that aren't available or, or uh, that they know that won't accept. Even and and it was said. I think last night uh, in the, during the match against Colombia and, and the one who said it I don't know who was or I don't remember his name he was right because he said in December when there is the middle of the season who 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 is the one that will would accept a change of, of well they have their, their contracts of course but uh, uh, if you say June, June during June well it could be but December it's the middle of the season and it's very very hard or for not to say impossible for mm. a coach to interrupt their actual jobs to go and, and be the, the coach of a national team when they have a lot, uh, very, very little time because in August or September is the, or no, even before is the, the Copa America. You mentioned that. Yeah, June, months. July. Yeah. July. So, um, well, one manager who won't be in the middle of his season. Um, and, and to in fact won't even be in the middle of a contract in his current situation um, is oh I was going to say Martino oh. uh, is, is Gerardo Martino but you're right Peckerman won't be either um, Martino has been linked rumours in the press which yesterday he came out and said last night um, weren't true um, have linked him with the Argentina job there were reports saying that he had already had a couple of meetings with the AFA, that he was talking about his terms. Um, he has also been linked with the Columbia job, as you mentioned, um, as well. Um, either one would be an interesting move. Obviously, it might very well be that his situation, his contract situation at Atlanta gets resolved. You certainly wouldn't blame him for staying at Atlanta, um, given that they are presumably able to pay him on time and that he left the AFA um, precisely because they weren't paying him. Um, but as Peter tweeted yesterday evening, it would be just underlining the shit show that has been the AFA for the last two or three years. Um, well, for much longer than that, really, but in particular for the last two or three years. If after all of this, Gerardo Martino ends up getting the job as Argentina manager again, because they forced him out two years ago. Two years ago, last month, um, he left. And that started the whole rotating door. Uh, no, that's not the word, is it? Revolving door. Thank you. I don't know why I'm thanking myself for remembering that. Um, the whole revolving door sort of policy of bringing in first Edgardo Balsa, then Jorge Sampaoli less than a year later, and then getting rid of Sampaoli and bringing in Scaloni as an interim manager. If you then just only, just to go back to Martino... 
you've basically given up a two-year cycle with the World Cup at the end of that cycle when, as I said during the World Cup, it, it's difficult to believe that had they just kept Martino in charge for the whole of those two years, A, they would have qualified for the World Cup much more comfortably, almost certainly, and B, there wouldn't have been such a process of upheaval around the national team, um, complete directionless, clueless planning, um, and we might very well have seen much improved uh, or much better performances at the World Cup. Because I know that people like to you know, get stuck into Martino, particularly for his time at Barcelona, when after all he only um, went on the longest unbeaten run of any new Barcelona manager in history uh, when he started there. And, um, you know, and all the rest of it. And, and to suggest that he's anything other than the worst manager in the history of football is, is somewhat badly looked upon by some people but I happen to hold the controversial view that he's not the worst manager in the history of football and that actually for international level getting to two consecutive finals was pretty good yeah it was frustrating not to win them obviously but his, his record in tournaments wasn't exactly bad and anyway when he was uh, he quit uh, the national team this uh, the AFA well, directors weren't the ones that are right now I think it was the Comité, Comisión Normalizadora, the Normalizing Committee, with Armando Pérez when he left, because of course Tapia wasn't there as a. But no, it was long before Tapia. I, th I think it might have still been under Luis Segura, oh, so but I well, can't remember. Well, well um, that doesn't mean that uh, that AFA is, is now is serious and it's uh, great and, and and Martino can be the the coach of national team with his eyes closed. Uh, and, and sign the contract and be sure that he will be paid all of the money because mm. you have already mentioned that that, that didn't happen before hasn't happened before uh, but uh, uh, if he's available and Pochettino Simeone and Pacman aren't well it's a good option of course has uh, the, the, the other part is also true that he he quit because AFA was a disaster and the organization was uh, there was no organization and, and the Olympic uh, Games were uh, uh, had, had no the, the, the Olympic team ha, had no team of course and, and there were teams that didn't uh, Argentinian teams that didn't want to keep their players out it were a, a, a real real disaster that's why he, he quit and no and the, and the next day those clubs magically released the players Yes. As well, so I mean, if you if you needed a clearer example, that it was the the clubs who were forcing him out, and the club's presidents, of course, are the people who make up the AFA executive committee and the board. Um, and so this was a very calculated thing all along. And now, so in some cases, those same people. Okay, it's not Tapia wasn't the president of the AFA at that point, but a lot of the people who were running the AFA were the same. Still, you know, yes. the, the club presidents who got the votes on the board were. Um, and you also mentioned Jose Pekerman. 12 years after he uh, yes. <laughs> walked out of the AFA because they were awfully run and, and all the rest of it. Um, tell us a little bit about those rumours because obviously he confirmed just last week that, that he wasn't going to continue as Colombia manager. Yes, I think even we, we talked about this in the last episode that he said that he had some problems, familiar problems. Um, uh, there were a lot of rumours from Colombian press that Uh, he didn't want to continue, and, and, and he put some some conditions to continue, and he said almost crying that he 
that it was not true because he had some these issues that had to do with his family and he's old now he's a big person uh, I mean older than uh, than he left before uh, from, from, from Argentina and yes I see himself as a delicate person right now that can't uh, uh, fight with bureaucracy and and, and issues that have to, have to do with organization so yes of course it's difficult to imagine him again as a coach here but being not in a contract with a contract uh, with another national team or, or, or club uh, he's another good option the problem is that that all of the coaches that we, have, we are we are mentioning had already been there and and, and, and went out uh, not in the, in the best way and Pochettino or Pochettino and Simeone know this and I don't think they want to uh, take a risky uh, position uh, when they are comfortable right now. Uh, that's I think that's clear and, and they don't say this but I think it's like that. Yes, indeed. Beckerman himself is, is 69, by the way. I was just Googling. He turned 69 last week. Um, so he's not a youngster anymore. Uh, I have just been searching around to see whether I can find the ages of his siblings, but apart from his brother who died a few years ago... Um, oh, no, sorry, who died in January this year. Um, I, I can't find, but he's got at least he's got at least one sister, hasn't he, as well, who I think might be older than him. So, you know, none of these people are, are spring chickens, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it would be an interesting... <sighs> An interesting decision to make him manager, but again, a, a manager of that age, um, somebody a little bit younger, might prefer. Or, or perhaps like Sabella uh, suggested, I think. Hmm. Uh, well, Sabella is another one. Uh, like he, like he suggested, perhaps Pokerman to, uh, to to Pokerman, for Pokerman to be the the, the uh, secretary, sports secretary, and and for him to choose the the coach. And manage things with a perhaps easier or, or more calm uh, position, and not to be in the in the field and in the stadiums and and be the, the coach himself. Uh, perhaps that's another option. Could be, could not. But uh, right now, the only person that has a contract with Argentina and and that's why he's the coach is uh, Lionel Scaloni. Indeed. So we shall see. Maybe Argentina beat Brazil five nil. Uh, next month three goals from Icardi two from uh, Giovanni Simeone and we have two strikers and we are going to be in the Copa America with those yeah and, and five assists from yes. Giovanni Lo Celso who's pushed up into a yes. revolutionary new number 10 role at my suggestion you know maybe I could be assistant manager who knows yes I've got a very good track record on football manager if Lionel Scaloni is listening to this and he wants to get in touch but no I'll be happy e- even though I'd be betraying my own country we are joking but if that happens, imagine that that happens, uh, uh, really happens. To be clear, you mean the 5-0 win against Brazil rather yes. than me being asked to be Argentina's assistant manager? B- both. No, but Argentina <laughs> winning 5-0 to Brazil is, I think, is hilarious. It is a bit more probable. Yes, however. but uh, if that happens, uh, Twitter will be flooded with commentaries on, yes, Scaloni must continue and, and with this team we are going to win World Cup America and, of course, Chiquitapia and... Uh, Angelisi and Moshano saying, uh, well, we knew that we had to be calm and to not to choose a, a, a coach so fast and we have the, the coach, the perfect coach right now. So uh, the results move everything and we know that. 
and if we win Brazil with a number a good number of goals uh, Scaloni could could be there uh, could uh, stick uh, uh, perfectly yeah um and you know that that, that was uh, as i say if if they do get a, a thra- uh, if they do manage to thrash brazil or even if they manage to beat brazil and and, and look good in doing so um, or even if if they lose to Brazil really narrowly and, and look vaguely dignified in doing so, there could be an argument for maybe considering giving Scaloni the job in a longer term. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yes. Um, we will move on to listeners' questions. I've just realised that I haven't yet opened the Hand of Pod Twitter account to get these. Uh, so just in case some of you tweeted to Hand of Pod on its own and not including me and Andres um, on this, I'm going to do so now. Uh, really quickly, if I can spell Twitter correctly we've had some yes we have had some questions so I'm not logging in in vain I do apologise for these slightly boring yes there are some bits where I click on the keyboard here we go right questions are as follows for this week September the night. Ah, Bud Bundy says that it was him who sent me the 538 link last week. Thank you for that, Bud. I completely forgot about it. We'll mention it again next week. Um, there's a bit of a discussion about crests for some reason. Here we go. Darren Paul says, is the Weibo done with the national team? Marcos Acuna. I, th- I think done is a little bit harsh, just because they decided to try out a few new players and an interim manager yes. decided to call up um, some different people. Yes. He's, he's still young, right? He's like 25-ish? He, yes, his face looks like he's an older player, but uh, yes, he's, he, I think it was a time for another players, but doesn't mean that he's out and, and he entered, entered to the match and put a, a great pass to Simeone, who, well, crashed, not crashed, uh, the, the Ospina uh, fouled him. So I think that he he's a good alternative. Not uh, at this point is not the main uh, left midfielder, but yes, yeah, indeed. No, yeah, I, I would agree. Basically, Darren also says, despite being top of the league, will Codet last the season at Racing, and will it be his choice or the board's choice? I don't know why Darren's asking questions about club football, but here we are. Yes. What do we think? Because he, he's a supporter of a team that is his t-shirt. The t-shirt is similar to Argentina, perhaps. Ah, maybe that could be it. He's getting confused. Uh, is is Kaldak uh, going to remain Racing manager? Well, I think it's more that question should, could be. Well, not exactly that, but if will Centurion continue with Racing, not Kaldak? Mm. Uh, as Centurion is all the time defying the the, the rules and and and. And making things that aren't aren't right, and and that, but I don't see why Codet has to leave. Or, or the question means a doubt for him. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Darren Paul mean, uh, thinks that Codet could leave, or that he's, he's not sure at his charge. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the but now he's they are the leaders of the league. The difficulty that he's got, obviously, at the moment, is that Racing yes. are out of the Copa Argentina. Um, Libertadores. I think it was in April they were knocked out and out of the Copa Libertadores and as such they're now relying on other results to qualify for next year's Libertadores which um, 
means everything in, foot, in, in Argentine football. Uh, they are relying on one of River, Independiente or Boca to win the Copa Libertadores and San Lorenzo to win the Copa Sudamericana. Both of those situations have to come to pass in order for Racing to qualify for the Libertadores next year. Um, but I don't think that that would cost Kodak his job if it didn't happen at this stage, particularly if at the end of the year Racing is still doing well in the league and there's no reason really to... Um, to and if you do so, if, you, if Blanco, Victor Blanco says, OK, Eduardo, uh, Chacho, uh, you did a good job, but you, you are, we are out of Copa Libertadores and Copa Argentina... So we are no, we will no play no cup, cups next year. So you have to leave, hmm. and you are doing the same. That, for example, we are criticizing about the national team. Yeah, that you quit, a, a, you sack a manager and put another one, and they have he will have one year to to uh, compete for another uh, to enter in another Copa Libertadores. So it has no sense to quit to sack the manager and put another one with no clear goals right now. Uh, well, I mean. Uh, they are leaders of Superliga, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't see why he, he should leave. Indeed. And finally, Darren says, I was chatting the other day with uh, about Lolo with River Plate English um, on Twitter. It reminded me how much I love the 2015 Racing side with, and then he lists their 11. Um, what a side. They didn't win the league, but it was so much fun. Who is your favourite side for River? Well, I don't know if I said that, but of course the one that won. I I I chose the same year that uh, Darren Paul for Racing, 2015 and 2014 and 2015 were uh, in the recent times the the team of course that I enjoyed more the most because they won uh, the titles with Cachardo and and and, and I liked at least the 2014 team the way they played. So that that is the one I, I will choose. Yeah, style wise, I go twenty fourteen, and also maybe the twenty oh three. When was the semi final? They played with Boca when Tevez scored that last minute goal in the Monumental and thought he won it. Twenty no twenty oh four. Twenty oh four. Uh, I, I liked that team as well with um, Wendell Gonzalez and was Chacho Caldet playing in that side actually. I think the snatches that I could get obviously because at the time I was living in England and uh, internet uh, football streaming existed but it was very much in its infancy um, and so I wasn't certainly not watching on HD um, and I wasn't watching in particularly good um, definition at all a lot of the time but I, I enjoyed that team and, and the memories of just watching Argentine football Saviola in that time as well um, yes Saviola and, and the rest of them um, River in English oh this is a bit of a conversation now that wasn't a question to us Tom Robinson says after Argentinos Juniors stadium name change which we mentioned a week or two ago how do you think that this will open or do you think this will open the floodgates for other clubs to follow in their footsteps and in a similar vein if you had to which sponsors would you choose for each of the five grandes stadiums um I can't see why... I mean, I don't know about opening the floodgates, but if Argentinos are doing it, then other clubs are getting offers to do it, clearly. Um, what is the name I, for that team? Sorry. I, I'm, I'm not going to say, because the credit card company oh. in question are not giving us any money to have their name mentioned. Oh, okay. uh, but it's a credit card company. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it, it's now called the Estadio credit card company name Diego Armando Maradona when previously it was just called the Estadio Diego, Diego Maradona, Maradona should be 
should be annoyed because of he he yeah. he has been put with the commercial. If if I were him, I'd be asking mm. for some money from from them as well. Um, I mean, obviously, if uh, you're talking to somebody who, who, who at least I'm, I'm quite against uh, modern football. Um, I'm uh, not a paid-up member. I don't know whether you can be a paid-up member of that movement, but but I'm very much with it in I, spirit. Um, but if I had to choose, then I would choose um, Hand of Pod to be the sponsor. I'll, I'll give each one of the of five grand this, as much as a hundred pesos a month, um, and I will be become name sponsor. Uh, of yes, the yeah. Monumental, the Estadio Libertadores de America, the Cilindro, the Nuevo Gasometro, and the Bombonera, three gritted teeth. And um, the Estadio Monumental, it sounds really yeah, good. It does, yes. doesn't it? Well, I, I think that, you see, talking, talking seriously, that um, the, the, the five grandes will choose a name or will change their name to join it with a company only if they are financially in a desperate situation. Uh, because they don't want the supporters here are very jealous of jealous of the, of these things. They are even jealous when when there is a, a teacher that doesn't follow strictly their the, the colors that they historically have been following. So yeah. uh, imagine a stadium that is instead of the bombonera, Qatar Airways bombonera. But then that, they have their. But that happens in in Europe as well, and yet eventually people get used to it. And so I'm, I'm not sure. It's obviously easier to do um, when you have an entirely new built stadium rather than renaming a stadium that's already part of the club's history. Um, and in that respect, maybe it's a little bit trickier to do it in Argentina because there are very few clubs who could afford but to build the a stadium. The problem is that here, here supporters, supporters uh, are, are barely are, are the owners of the club in the, the way of... You you make a decision and the, and no there are no supporters that like it and you will have to deal with that and for example there is the Estadio Monumental and the Momonera that are they are debating the the possibility of uh, restoring the or, or changing even for for Boca to to uh, move to another another stadium. Well, they're so, not really debating that, are they? It's, it's not going to happen. No, it's I know. Angelisi badly wants to happen, but it's not. I know, but. Uh, uh, I imagine the su- supporters not being happy to move, even when this will possibly po- uh, make possible to have 100,000 uh, supporters uh, being able to, to 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 watch the matches, and will mean more money for them. Mm. Uh, they don't want; they really want the best for them, but to cons- to to maintain and to keep the the, the history, the tra- tradition, and and to keep with that. Uh, and any change is not seeing very very well uh, at least here in Argentina indeed uh, Little Bird says it's the last time I talk about you with um, about Palacios with you I promise but would you agree that his main strength is his versatility in attack and defence especially at his age yes he's clearly one of the, those mixed midfielders that uh, can can collaborate in defence but his main or his Best attributes are, are, are attacking or creative, creative and, and short passes. But yes, uh, he's really complete and, and and well showing it in 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 Argentina national team. With uh, I, I I repeat it because it's uh, it like that that against Guatemala uh, uh, all the match and, and part of it against Colombia uh, proves that he he's one to watch and and. We have already been watching him, but in the, in the, in other countries, perhaps didn't know him, 
and now they will, perhaps. Yes, indeed. And uh, finally, Lee Bartlett wants to know who are the biggest clubs in the lower leagues in Argentina? Tricky one to answer because there are a few in the interior, particularly. Looking at the second division table, I would say that the biggest uh, there are probably Ferro and Instituto. Um, Ferro are are very well ensconced in the second division. Um, I suppose Olimpo, maybe... Could have a little bit of a shout there. They're the only other but, club in Bahia Blanca, really, of, of any significant size. But there are two differences there because one thing is the big club in the structures of the club, and the other is the team itself playing football. And and some are big clubs. Platense is a big club, but in the way in, they will play River in a minute, in a couple of minutes. Hmm. But uh, talking about football, they have been out of first division since 1999. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a big team or traditional team uh, in Argentina. Um, I'm thinking all boys in Atlanta are probably the biggest in Primera B, which is the third, the the, yes. the uh, um, the non-regionalized or the 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 bit of the third division that is dedicated to teams in the urban corridor between uh, La Plata and Rosario. Um, in Primera C. You're starting to get down to the point, I think, where there aren't really any very big clubs that I know about. Um, and if we go to the Torneo Federal A, which is the nationwide regionalised bit of the third division, um, then we have none of these clubs are names that really stick out, to, stand out to me as being particularly massive. Yeah. Maybe at a push, Racing de Cordoba, Gimnasia Tiro de Salta, um, who are both, funnily enough, down uh, fairly low down the table, but then there's only been one game played so far, so that doesn't mean an awful lot. Um, but yeah, oh, Douglas Haig, possibly, in terms of name recognition at least. Yes, but um, not really big or, or important teams. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, most of them are going to be found in the Nacional B, the second division. Yes. Um, and as I say, of those two, I would say Ferro and Atlanta. Uh, sorry, Ferro and. Um, Instituto. Say Instituto are probably the two biggest at the moment, although I'm sure Almagro, uh, Atletico de Rafaela, Quilmes... Oh, Quilmes are there as yes. well. Yeah, they've, they've, they've all got a shout. And Arsenal would probably like to be mentioned. Gimnasio if you want to name a team mm. from north of the provinces. Indeed. That was the last question, I think. Um, we haven't had any more. Well, Chacarita we? also. Oh, Chacarita, yes. yes. Well remembered. Um, hope that answers your question, Lee. Um, nobody has volunteered oh. again for mystical predictions this weekend. Uh, so what you will hear after the break are my own predictions, which I will make up as I go along. Um, don't go away. Here we go. The Fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth, fifth, fifth. The fifth round of Superliga um, action is kicking off on Friday. If you want to hear our preview thoughts of it, then you'll have to become a Hand of Pod supporter on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Hand of Pod. If you uh, pledge us $5 or more per month, then you get Hand of Pod extra delivered into your ears uh, once or twice a week. The next episode of that will be recorded immediately after this podcast and it normally goes online um, 
before it because being much shorter it's much quicker to uh, to edit for me um, here we go Estudiantes versus Aldo Civi I think it's going to be an Estudiantes victory Atletico Tucumán against Tigre is an Atletico Tucumán win on Saturday Independiente host Colón which I think is going to be a draw I think it potentially quite an interesting draw River Plate play at San Martín de San Juan and I'm going to go for a River win there which would be their first of the season remember because they won, uh, they drew their first four in a row Belgrano are at home to Newell's and I think Newell's can scrape a win in that one and then in the evening Argentinos play Boca Juniors in the Estadio Diego Armando Maradona with the credit card company who we're not going to mention the name of um, in the Clásico Juniorsense which is not a Clásico and I'm going for a Boca win there on Sunday Patronato versus Gimnasia is the 11 o'clock kickoff that we'll all be getting out of bed early for I mean early-ish depending on how late we've been out on Saturday night um, I think that's going to be a draw Vélez Sarsfield versus San Martín de Tucumán I think will be a Vélez win Union against Tacheres hmm I'll go for a draw there. Uh, Lanús against Racing, I think is a Racing win. And Godoy Cruz versus San Lorenzo, that's an interesting match, is a Godoy Cruz win for me. Huracan against Banfield on Monday evening. I'm going for Huracan. And Central versus Defensa y Justicia, the last game of the weekend on Monday. As the motorbike roars off into the distance, um, I'm going to say Central to get back to winning ways. Uh, some interesting looking games there. Yes. Which we will preview, as I said, on Handapod Extra. So get on over there if you have the right to, and if you don't, uh, then I've just told you what it costs. $5 a month. So please, become supporters. Uh, we're enormously thankful to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, as you know, if you're not one, then you know no hard feelings. Uh, these episodes will remain free forever. Uh, and for now, thanks for listening for another week for dissecting the national team with us. Ribera against Platense kicked off one minute ago, so keep listening after this theme music, and I'll give you the full-time score, as if by magic, in a couple of hours' time. For now, it's thanks for listening, and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Full-time in the Copa Argentina, River Plate beat Platense 2-0 with two penalties from Lucas Prato and Ignacio Ejcoco, who replaced Prato a few minutes after he scored his penalty. Um, It was a very poor performance, really, from River in the first half. The second half, from what I'm reading on Twitter at the moment, the game having finished a few minutes ago, uh, was much better but I was in the kitchen for most of it, chopping up food, because I'm in charge of cooking dinner tonight. So I can't give you an awful lot of analysis on it, I'm afraid. Bye.